The New Orleans Saints keep their playoff hopes alive and their coaching staff deserves a ton of credit. How the Saints special teams, defense, and yes, even offense combine for their win against the Carolina Panthers. And it's time to update that Cam Jordan Hall of Fame resume. We got all that and a little bit of Lanyat for you on this Victory Monday episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this Victory Monday episode of Locked On Saints, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Saints your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget that we're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube as well. I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson, NOLA on Twitter, Canal Street Chronicles, Locked On NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked On Saints. New Orleans Saints get the win that they need at home against the Carolina Panthers, 18-10, to 10, in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. We're going to talk about the playoff scenario here in just a moment, and we'll talk more about how the New Orleans Saints got their win because it took all three phases of the game, yes, even without a beautiful offensive stat line or amount of output. But we'll talk about that here in just a moment. I want to start off with letting you know what the New Orleans Saints need to do in order to get into the playoffs. And we'll talk about why that conversation is so significant in the first place. So the Saints came into Sunday with a couple of different scenarios that could get them into the playoffs. But now with the way that Sunday unfolded, only one way, one path to the playoffs remains, and it's the most direct path. It's the one that we've been talking about all week. So because Philadelphia ended up winning and because the the, the Minnesota Vikings ended up losing to Green Bay and all these other things, the one path that remains for New Orleans that they need to focus on after their win against the Carolina Panthers is first of all, and first and foremost, to travel to Atlanta and get their win against the Falcons to close off the season and get them get their record to nine and eight. Along with that, the Saints will now need a loss from the San Francisco 49ers, which became all the more possible thanks to an Arizona Cardinals win this week against the Dallas Cowboys. That means that in order for the Rams to win their division, they'll need to either beat the San Francisco 49ers or wait for the Cardinals to lose the Seattle Seahawks. The trick here is That Cardinals and Seahawks game, as well as the San Francisco and Los Angeles Rams game, those both take place at the same time. And now, so does the Saints and Falcons game. The Saints and Falcons have been flexed from a noon Central Time kickoff through a 3.25 p.m. kickoff, meaning that all three of those big NFC playoff implication games will happen at the same time. So no scoreboard watching, no, you know, pulling your starters because you already know the, the situation with one other game. None of that. The New Orleans Saints, the Los Angeles Rams, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Arizona Cardinals, who all have different playoff scenarios and different playoff implications riding on their performance next Sunday, will all play at the same time. That is good news for the New Orleans Saints, because no matter what, the Saints need to focus on winning. Regardless of what else happens around them, their focus has to be on getting a dub up against the Atlanta Falcons, which I'm sure the Falcons would love to play spoiler to the New Orleans Saints, but the Saints would also love to get into the playoffs on the heads of the Atlanta Falcons. The big piece here is that Los Angeles is sort of going to be forced to actually play here and compete in order to win their division. So it's good news for the Saints because they need the 49ers to lose so that they could get into the playoffs at the seventh seed that would make Philly the sixth seed. 
Very likely if that were to happen, the Saints would then end up traveling to the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium, where the Super Bowl will also be held in February to open up wild card weekend, super wild card weekend. Hopefully they get the Nickelodeon game again. They got it last year against the uh, Chicago Bears. But we'll talk about that if the New Orleans Saints actually get there. The thing that will help the Saints get there is that their team should continue to get healthier. We'll see what happens with Teron Armstead as well as Ryan Ramchek. You'd sure love to get those players back eventually at some point this season. Teron Armstead missed uh, again on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers at six of the last eight. Ryan Ramchek has not been able to play in the last seven games of the season so far. He ended up missing this one as he's been battling one injury, but he also missed it because he was on the COVID-19 list. Along along with him on the COVID-19 list were safety Marcus Williams and center Eric McCoy. Both of them are expected to be back next week against the Falcons. So it's good news for the New Orleans Saints who need that win in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. But the fact of the matter is that regardless of what happens next, the fact that we're sitting here talking about the New Orleans Saints at 8-8 eight and eight right now going into the new 17th game of the season possibly becoming a playoff team is absolutely incredible. And Sean Payton and the New Orleans Saints coaching staff deserve a ton of credit for this. Don't forget, this is a team that lost the Hall of Fame quarterback last year. Teams that lose their Hall of Fame quarterbacks don't often end up in the playoffs the very next year. Before the season began, we had my good friend Dylan Sanders at Dilly Sanders on Twitter come on and talk a little bit about it because he wrote a fantastic piece over at Canal Street Chronicles about how teams tend to follow up Hall of Fame quarterbacks the, the next season. And there are a few exceptions, but for the most part, teams tend to not perform well, have losing seasons, and miss the playoffs. So the Saints could be one of the exceptions this season. And honestly, even if they don't make the playoffs, if they can finish with a winning record, they would then be in a class of their own in terms of following up that loss, right? Uh, the Hall of Fame quarterback loss. But on top of that, they also ended up being displaced for 21 days thanks to Hurricane Ida playing their opening home game of the season in Jacksonville, Florida, with a big 38-3 win over the Green Bay Packers. They you know, lost 12 of their coaches throughout the practice week leading up to the Week 2 game against the Carolina Panthers. The first time these two teams met this season, ended up having six coaches not available in terms of those that are on the sideline. Lost their wide receiver one, lost their quarterback one, never got their kicker one along with their, their superstar wide receiver and all of the other injuries that ended up piling up throughout the season. They've started four quarterbacks on the year. And then, of course, they went on a five-game losing streak, and you got hit two weeks ago, or I guess a week ago still, in which you had you know, 22, 21 players out for a Monday night football game against the Miami Dolphins. And we're sitting here now talking about the New Orleans Saints being victorious over a division rival and continuing to pave their way to the playoffs. And it's absolutely Remarkable. I don't think Sean Payton's going to get coach of the year because the team record's not going to be good enough. And the, the stories and, and the things that are really quantify what Sean Payton and this coaching staff have done so far this season aren't things that nationally get paid attention to. They're things that locally get paid attention to. It's going to be like the Matt LaFleurs or the, the, the Zach Taylors. It's going to be the those coaches that are going to end up getting all of the attention when it comes to those end of year awards. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it's what I expect. But honestly, Sean Payton, coach of the year, has a nice ring to it, has had a nice ring to it over the course of the last 15 seasons. And you'd certainly love to see it here this year because of everything that this team went through, even having to play without him, right? Even having to play without him. And that's where I think you can have conversations about the coaching staff as a whole. Dennis Allen, Pete Carmichael, Ronald Curry, all of these folks 
they came through and put together such incredible performances over the course of this season and allowed this and, and helped to get the Saints to this position where they could potentially be the seventh seat in the NFC. If that is the case, if that was the case, that they would then end up very likely playing the Los Angeles Rams in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium, which will be the site of this year's Super Bowl. And so that's what you're looking forward to if the Saints can end up getting past the Atlanta Falcons and get the help that they need from the Rams. They would immediately the next week very likely travel to Los Angeles to try to beat the Rams and get them out of the playoffs or whatever it might be. We'll have some conversations around what constitutes a successful season for the New Orleans Saints if they do get to the playoffs. But honestly, at this point, pretty successful what the New Orleans Saints have done for themselves. Now let's talk a little bit about how they specifically got the win against the Carolina Panthers because it took something from all three phases. And although the offense didn't put up a bunch of pretty stats and didn't load up the stat sheet or anything like that, they once again do what they need to do with the defense and field position game being complementary to one another in order to get this win. So we'll talk about what the Saints offense, defense, and special teams did to get this dub against the Carolina Panthers and once again, keep their playoff hopes alive. We got that and much more coming up for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. Well, the New Orleans Saints started off the new year right with their win against the Carolina Panthers and New Year's means New Year's resolution season. So if you have a New Year's resolution to maybe get fit or eat healthier, I want to make sure that Built Bars are a part of your plan. We're talking about the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Look, sometimes getting ready and trying to do all of this stuff can get boring. You know, you get to like week three and all of a sudden you're like, where's the chocolate? Well, I got news for you. These protein bars we're talking about with Built Bar, they're covered in 100% chocolate. And most Built Bars contain just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, but give you 17 grams of protein, low in carbs, low in sugar, and high in protein, high in fiber, everything that you need to be able to keep your New Year's resolution going strong. Some of those other protein bars, 240 calories. 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. You don't need to be messing around with any of that. So if you're looking for something to where you need something to help you get into a workout, you're looking for something to snack on midday to get you through the rest of the day, but you want to maintain that resolution of eating healthier and getting fit, Built Bar is the way to go. So go to Built.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off. Once again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, who that is? You continue on with today's episode of Locked On Saints. We talked about what the Saints need to do next in order to get into the playoffs and how they kept their playoff hopes alive with the 18 to 10 win against the Carolina Panthers. But let's talk about how the Saints got it done. And the fact of the matter is that it was a, let's call it a completely complimentary game. I'm not going to call it a complete game, right? Because you didn't see a bunch of big plays coming from the offense or anything like that, right? The offense continues to struggle early on as well as on early downs. At one point throughout their first seven first downs, only two of them ended up going for positive yardage. So there are some things that you definitely want to address and fix about this New Orleans Saints offense. But with the way that the defense is playing and with the way that the New Orleans Saints controlled field position in this game, The offense did exactly what it needed to do, and they goose-egged on turnovers. No turnovers in this one, and they were able to take advantage of field position, get some scores, kick some field goals. Brett Maher continues to be outstanding, and for the first time in 11 quarters, over 173 minutes, 
the New Orleans Saints offense even scored a touchdown with Alvin Kamara. So let's quantify all of it. Let's talk about what the New Orleans Saints had to get right and how they got it right in this game. So let's start off with what the New Orleans Saints defense did well and how the Saints special teams helped to control the field position game. So the first thing that we should talk about here is that the Saints allowed 137 net yards in the first half, which is not a lot of yardage. But the reason why I point that out is because they finished with 178 net yards on this game. That means 41 total net yards in the second half. This New Orleans Saints defense did not come to play in the second half. They came to dominate. And that's exactly what they did. Let's take a look at the drive chart for the Carolina Panthers in the second half and how many yards they gained on each possession. They had five possessions in the second half. Only one of them ended up going for more than two yards. I want to make sure you hear that and make sure that I say that the way that you really receive it. They only had one drive go more than two yards. They had a two-yard drive, a minus five-yard drive, a 46-yard drive, which ended in a missed field goal, so they came up empty on their best drive of the second half, minus four yards on the fourth drive, and on that fifth drive, two yards again, only 41 total net yards for the Carolina Panthers. All throughout this game, they never started a single drive, the Carolina Panthers, at better than their own 20 five. That's huge. They never started better than a touchback in this game. And that has to do with a couple of different things, right? Not turning the ball over on offense is definitely a big part of it. Making sure that your your kick coverage is a good job, is doing a good job. And Blake Gillikin. Blake Gillikin is easily the third, maybe the first of the three big factors here. Because when Blake Gillikin punted, Carolina's average starting field position was their own 15, which included two drives in the third quarter, which was where they had their deepest point differential. In fact, second worst in the NFL in the third quarter. The Carolina Panthers are at minus 69 point differential. Not nice. They ended up having two drives in the third quarter start within their own 10. So Blake Gillikin helping to flip the field there as well. And the Carolina Panthers crossed midfield only three times and only once in the second half. Meanwhile, the New Orleans Saints started four different possessions in Carolina's territory, which included a fumble recovery where they had a sack fumble from P.J. Williams before he left injured, and then, of course, the interception at the end of the game that ended up uh, helping them to advance. Now, the other thing that the Saints did extremely well here is that they flipped time of possession completely. Carolina led time of possession in the first quarter, 11 minutes to 5 minutes in the first half, 17 minutes and 7 seconds to 12 minutes and 53 seconds. That's basically a four-minute difference right there. Uh, In the second half, you can almost flip it entirely. 16 minutes and 36 seconds in favor of New Orleans, 13 minutes and 24 for Carolina. So that's, again, nearly a four-minute difference there. It's a completely flipped time of possession. Taysom Hill, the New Orleans Saints offense, knowing what the defense was doing, knowing that they were winning the field position battle constantly, did exactly what it was that they needed to do. Like we mentioned, they didn't turn the ball over. Taysom Hill led a very good two-minute drive at the end of the first half, something we haven't seen him do before. So it was fantastic to see. It was one of my biggest criticisms of him was that over the four games that he played last season, we never saw him really run a hurry-up tempo offense. We never saw it in the preseason, hadn't seen it so far this season. This drive, 10 plays with a minute 53 seconds left on the clock at the end of the first half, took it uh, quite a ways and led to a field goal, which allowed the Saints to go in down just one point as opposed to down four points, 10 to nine into the second half, knowing they were getting the ball back at the beginning of that second half. Um, the 
New Orleans Saints also didn't give up on the run game, which I thought was really good. And, and this is a shout out to Sean Payton. The Saints had minus four rushing yards in the first half. One of the three worst first halves of rushing that the that we've seen all season. Um, and three, two of those three were the Saints against the Panthers. Week two, they had only four yards. This week, they had minus four yards. So the Saints end up going for minus four yards of rushing in the first half, but stick with it. They continue to run the ball in the second half, and then they finish the game with 73 yards, so another 77 yards rushing in the second half, including a big 30-yard run by Alvin Kamara. You also got some nice runs from Taysom Hill as well, including a big 14-yarder, which was his long. And you'll take all that. You'll take all that. I know that they didn't have a ton of rushing yards, Alvin Kamara finished with only 32 rushing yards. The Saints only uh, averaged 2.6 yards, but the fact that they stuck with it ended up setting up things for like the variety of things that the Saints were able to do with Alvin Kamara, including the touchdown that they scored at the top of the first, uh, at the top of the fourth quarter, which ended up being a play action to Alvin Kamara on a drive where they moved the ball on the ground, and then they were ended, and then it just ended up in a throw to him in the flats, just like something we actually predict, not predicted, but kind of talked about that they needed to do was the variation. They needed to adjust how many different ways they got the ball to Alvin Kamara. They handed the ball off to him. They ran inside. They ran outside, maybe a little bit too often to the outside in the first half, which got them in a lot of trouble. They lined him up out wide, lined him up in the slot, threw the ball to him. Then they ran that play action, dumped it off to him in the flats, and then he ended up in the end zone there. So great stuff to see for New Orleans. As we mentioned before, you want to see them clean up the first downs. You want to see them clean up the first quarter. So far, the Saints have not scored on an opening, scored a touchdown on an opening possession. Saints have never done that in the Sean Payton era, and they've only got one game left to get it done in Atlanta. And then meanwhile, over on the defensive side, Cam Jordan, three and a half sacks in this one. Just absolutely incredible. He's now up to 106 in his career. Um, The Saints ended up in this game with seven total sacks. He ended up getting one from CJ Garner-Johnson, as well as an interception to seal the game on the final drive of the game. Quan Alexander had several standout splash plays, making tackles in the backfield. So did Christian Ringo. And then you also had Jeff Heath, who I want to shout out. Jeff Heath, who had the first sack of his career in this game. He and JT Gray getting snaps at safety because the Saints were without Marcus Williams, was on the COVID reserve list, and PJ Williams ended up getting injured. And they ended up giving up a long of only 21 in the passing game. So despite the fact they were down to just their third, fourth safety at certain points, didn't allow anything in the passing game. So just incredible stuff when it came to what the Saints defense, offense, and special teams were able to collectively do. We'll continue to break down the individual performances. Want to talk more about Marshawn Lattimore. Want to talk more about Demario Davis. Want to talk more about Quan Alexander, Christian Ringo, who had some standout moments in this one. David Onyemata as well. Marcus Abport. Lots of folks to shout out. But I want to talk about Cam Jordan in particular. Can we talk about Cam Jordan some more, please? Because this guy continues to add to that Hall of Fame resume we talked about a couple weeks ago. And uh, I think it's starting to get very hard to argue about, let's just say, Cam Jordan's life after football being memorialized in Canton, Ohio. Let's talk about why and why this game was such a huge turning point for the New Orleans Saints and that defensive line. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Listen, there may be a lot of concerns around how much mileage you're really going to get out of this New Orleans Saints offense if they can't get healthy, but you're getting some great mileage out of this defense. And while we're talking about mileage, I also want to tell you about our great friends over at Get Upside, one of the best apps that's out there. A lot of us doing a lot more driving, getting back to work, doing all that. And of course, you're spending a lot of money at the pump at the gas station because gas prices are so high right now. But GetUpside is going to help you out because at select gas stations, if you use this app, 
they're going to give you 25 cents back per gallon every time that you fill up. Some folks getting $200, $300 back per month because they're driving so much and they're using this Get Upside app. It's free. Go download it. Check out your app store, Google, uh, Google store, whatever it is that you use. They've got you covered. And when you sign up, don't forget to use the promo code touchdown. That way you can get an extra 25 cents on your first fill up. That's 50 cents per gallon back on your first fill up 25 cents per gallon or up to after that no catch and don't forget to use the promo code touchdown so you can get 50 cents back per gallon on your first fill up with the get upside app let's Get it, Houdat Nation, wrapping up today's episode of Locked On Saints. Thanks again for making us your first listen of the day every day. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Cam Jordan. We talked about him just a couple weeks ago as he surpassed the 100 sack mark, that century mark uh, in terms of career sacks. And I-, I talked about whether or not he was putting together a Hall of Fame resume for himself. And I thought maybe I was being a little bit too homerish. I thought maybe, you know, oh, I'll tone it down a little bit so that it's not too much. But the fact of the matter is that this guy, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer. Canton, Ohio is very much in his reach, and he's still probably got two, three more years left in the NFL. So we're not even close to done here. But right now, he's now second in that 2011 edge rusher class, which included guys like Alden Smith, as well as Von Miller, as well as J.J. Watt, of course, who has 102 sacks in his career. So Cam Jordan now up to 106 career sacks. He now has six seasons with 10 or more sacks in his career. He has 10 years straight now with at least seven and a half sacks. He set that big triple double season where he had the tackles, you know, 10 plus tackles for loss, 10 plus quarterback hits, 10 plus passes defended, 10 plus sacks. I mean, he did everything in that season and he has consistently been available. I mean, we're talking about a guy that it took an infectious disease causing a global pandemic for this guy to miss a game in his career. I mean, talk about Iron Man availability, production, passion, like everything that this guy does is remarkable. And and again, I, I tried to kind of like tone it down a little bit the last time that I talked about it because I think Cam Jordan's a Hall of Famer. And you can argue with a wall as far as I'm concerned, but the guy's a Hall of Famer. Like, he doesn't have what I talked about last time is that he doesn't have the end of year awards like the defensive player of the year awards, the comeback player. Of the year. He was never even eligible for the comeback player of the year awards because he didn't miss any damn games. But then he also didn't have like the the all pros, first team, all pros, stuff like that. He didn't get the recognition throughout his career that Hall of Famers usually get after their career. But I think Cam Jordan has done enough now to put himself on the map. I mean, the fact that he has seven sacks over the last four games didn't get his first sack until week seven he's now got 11 and a half sacks on the year i mean this is remarkable what this guy is doing there's only two players two players here recently or or, or let's talk about the last two players to have multiple sacks in three straight games um this season it's cam jordan he just did it right he had two sacks two weeks ago two sacks last week three and a half sacks in this game against Carolina. And the last person to do it was back in 2018, uh, a young guy by the name of Cam Jordan. <laughs> Cam Jordan did it. It's, it's remarkable what this guy has done so far. And you, you, you ask him about it, and he doesn't even talk about himself. 
I mean, it, it's remarkable how good of a leader Cam Jordan is. He did an interview on the field after the game. Marcus Davenport was there. Demario Davis came through for a little while, but did an interview after the game on Fox. And he was being asked about like his production and the fact that he's got 11 and a half sacks and he's got over 10 sacks again. Now he's over, you know, 100 sacks, all this stuff. And all he talked about was how much he benefited from getting guys like Marcus Davenport back on the defensive line and David Onyemata and Christian Ringo and the plays that they made, Quan Alexander, Demario Davis, CJ Garner Johnson. He wanted to talk about the plays that everybody else made. And he wanted to highlight the fact that he doesn't get 11 and a half sacks this season. He doesn't get seven and a half sacks over the course of the last three games without the other players on the defensive line and their focus on stopping the run game and being more than just edge rushers. He talked about in his post-game presser with New Orleans media, but instead being edge defenders and what it is. Cam Jordan was told his rookie season that he was going to be an inside defender. He was going to be a five-tech run stopper or play on the inside. And now here he is, 106 sacks in his career after having only one sack, lucking into one sack in his rookie season, where again, they were telling him he was going to be a run defender for his entire career. Like, just remarkable, remarkable what this guy has turned around and done. And, and I think that you look at what it is that the, the Saints defense has done here over the course of the past few seasons. And we talk a lot about Demario Davis and the way that he turned around. And he absolutely did help to turn around that 2017 draft class. Absolutely incredible on the defensive side. Um, you're seeing some good things on the defensive side from this draft class here in 2021 as well. Paul Sinadibo, Pete Werner, but the New Orleans Saints and their identity on the defensive side is entirely constructed around Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan is the leader of this defense. He is the face of this defense. And when you have him going out there and getting seven and a half sacks over three games, three and a half sacks in a single game, while you're trying to make a push for the playoffs, you have to try not to show up. And the New Orleans Saints are not interested in that, right? New Orleans Saints, they want to win. They want to get to the playoffs. They want to disappoint in the playoffs. They want to shock in the playoffs. They want to do all that. But for the Saints and for the Saints defense, they're led by one person, and it is Cam Jordan. And the way that he plays, the way that he leads, and the way that he bands everybody together and never makes his performance about his. He was mad that he got credited with three and a half sacks instead of four sacks because he wanted the four sack number. Don't get me wrong. He loves his numbers too, right? We've seen that before to where he got a four sack game against Matt Ryan and everyone was like, well, you got four sacks. And he said, well, I should have had six, right? I'll never forget that. But he never puts himself over the rest of the defense. And he always gives credit to everyone around him, despite the fact that this guy He's a Hall of Famer, y'all. He, he's Canton. He's Gold Jacket. He's whatever you want to call him. I don't know if he's going to be first ballot, but he's a Hall of Famer. And I think that that's the thing. At this point, we're no longer talking about, is he putting together a Hall of Fame resume? It's by the end of his career, can he put together a first ballot Hall of Fame resume? And you know what? He's about to go up against Matt Ryan next week. He is the, there is one edge rusher in the NFL that has sacked one quarterback more than any other edge rusher in the NFL has sacked another quarterback. And it is Cam Jordan sacking Matt Ryan. There's nothing that he enjoys more than that. So that's what we have to look forward to coming up next weekend. Uh, what you have looking forward, what you have to look forward to coming up here on Locked on Saints throughout the rest of the week is continuing to break down this big win. The Saints again keep their playoff hopes alive. 18 to 10 win over the Carolina Panthers. Let's talk about what else the Saints did around. We'll talk about the offense, the offensive line, who you hope to get back next week, Alvin Kamara's performance, and then we'll break down more along the defense as well. Get into analytics tomorrow, film on Wednesday, crossover Thursday with Aaron Freeman to get you ready. We got a ton coming up here all throughout the week 
on Locked on Saints. And I thank you as always for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day. For your second listen, make sure you go and check out my boys over at the Locked on Bets podcast. Your boy Q handicapping expert Lee Sterling helping you make some money as you get started here with the new year. As always, y'all, for everything in between these episodes that you need on the New Orleans Saints, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.